This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's not easy for a federal agency to cut over to a new financial management system, but that's what the Coast Guard is about to do. Coasties are about halfway through the cutover period, with November 17th as the date for completion. For how it's all going, we turn to the Assistant Commandant for Resources and the Chief Financial Officer, Rear Admiral Mark Fedor. Commandant Fedor, good to have you on. Hey, Tom. Great to be here, and thanks for having me. So, first of all, the target system, what is it called and how ready is it at this point? So the target system is called the Financial Systems Modernization Solution, FSMS for short, and it's an Oracle-based kind of commercial off-the-shelf system that the Department of Homeland Security has implemented, uh, wants to implement across all the components in the department. So, so far, Countering Weapons of Mass Destruction and TSA are the two components that are on it, and we are the third one. And we are the most complex just because of our broad range of missions associated with it. And what is going on now? I guess the uh, cutover period, yeah. the gray area, started October 1st, runs to November 17th. And what are practitioners of finance in the Coast Guard supposed to be doing? So what we did was we timed it with the beginning of the fiscal year. So we shut off our legacy system known as the core accounting system. So that was shut off uh, a day before the start of the fiscal year on October 1st. So that went off. And what we implemented now is a temporary system called the cutover financial system. And really all that is is a temporary repository to document all the transactions that occurred during this cutover period. And the reason that's important is, you know, as the CFO of the Coast Guard, the nation's Coast Guard needs to keep operating. And that's what I promised the commandant of the Coast Guard and to our men and women operating out there is they need to be able to procure, contract, mission essential operational equipment so they can keep operating. That's what the nation expects of us. So even though we're going through this big transition and moving millions of lines of code to this new FSMS, that Financial Systems Modernization Solution, the Coast Guard needs to keep operating. So we built that temporary repository to capture that. The other thing we implemented to help folks out in the field is the message that you refer to is, is we call it a system fast. It's just a financial, the FSMS assist support team. And it just means to help our folks out in the field navigate this cutover financial system and to get them ready to transition to the new FSMS. We knew you know, we were a very disaggregated service. Unlike TSA, who's very centralized, we are very disaggregated. And so we needed to make sure that our folks out in the field understood how to use this cutover system and then get ready to go to the new system as well. So, so far, it seems to be working well. As of Friday, we received about 100 160 inquiries on this new system. Of those, 100 were resolved via an online kind of, we're, we're essentially, it's a crowdsourcing system where people go on, they pose their question, others help out. We have subject matter experts there that can help out. Kind of in the CFO world, that's called tier zero support. But also, if somebody has a problem that can't be handled at that tier zero level, they can submit a help ticket. And that goes to more of our technical subject matter experts who can address that. That's kind of the tier one, tier two, when you start sure. getting to technical issues. So that's there, too. And so of those 160 inquiries, 100 were resolved via that kind of informal method, and then 60 were farmed out to that tier one level support. Um, and most of those have been resolved within two days. So we think we're tracking pretty well, and the field's pretty uh, content with where we are. And who is on the FAST team? Is it Coast Guard people, Oracle people, or is it people from the integrator? 
it's people from the integrator and it's also Coast Guard folks. We knew we needed to have Coasties involved here. You know, we have you know, our men and women out in the field. We all kind of speak the same language. And if they were just talking to a pure contractor who may not be that familiar with us, that interaction might not go so well. So we wanted to make sure we had Coasties that were involved in that. They could speak the same language, maybe translate what the contractor who might be very familiar with the system, but maybe not be able to translate it to Coast Guard speak. So we just needed those Coast Guard folks in there as well. So it's a combination. We're speaking with Rear Admiral Mark Fedor. He's the Assistant Commandant for Resources and Chief Financial Officer of the Coast Guard. So you're confident then that these transactions, which are being warehoused, so to speak, and then fed into the system when it starts up November 17th, will process correctly? We are confident, but we're also realistic. Our hope that this temporary system was built so that once the transactions are entered, it should be able to be automatically migrated into FSMS. However, just being realistic, we recognize that not all of them will probably be so due to a variety of reasons. Maybe there was some error in the entry. Maybe the data just isn't compatible for some reason. So there probably will be some manual entry that is required as we go live with that new system, the FSMS. And we're prepared to do that. We've kind of built in some front-loaded support. So if there is some manual data entry that has to be done, we will be ready to do that. And what about the legacy data from core accounting system, that is to say the transactions that are already done that go back however many years, those are now in the FSMS? So that's what's happening over this cutover period. That's why we had to create a temporary system. So when we shut down that legacy financial system, the migration of all that legacy data going back years, decades, was being migrated over to FSMS. And that's being done in series of what we call data packets. So kind of programmatic packets deal with one area of the Coast Guard. Uh, and we have an office that is dedicated to just doing that, working with the system integrator to make sure that data is compatible as it transitions. And that is something that is very complicated. Anyone who's done this type of work, you're talking about millions of lines of code with just you know, one keystroke can cause an error. So we have people really working around the clock. You know, there are calls that occur over the weekend through different program offices, including folks in my office who can kind of help navigate this process. And so this work is going on, and it will continue probably till about the beginning of November when the integrator really needs to turn on the, the, the product environment, as it's called. And that's essentially the new system. So all the dead and need really needs to get in there by that 1st of November so that we can go live on the 17th of November. So in effect, you are changing the propeller on a cutter while it's underway and just having people <clears throat> row until you get the new one on. That's essentially what we're doing. That's a great analogy. And, uh, you know, I equate it to I'm a, I'm a cutterman by trade, so I spend a lot of time on ships. And whenever you first get underway after a long period um, of import and you're doing a lot of work on the ship, you take in that last line from the pier. It's usually line two. There's a feeling of nervousness anxiety, but also excitement on what lies ahead. So when we turned off that legacy system, we are essentially underway, you know, in the financial world as we make this transition. So there's work that's going to go on. Like a ship that's just getting underway after a long period, things go wrong. You have to deal with certain issues. You got to navigate your way out of that port. That's what we're doing right now. But I am hopeful come 17 November that we'll kind of be on open ocean, essentially. We'll be able to kind of open her up a little bit and do some good things for the 
organization because this new system will really enable us to be more efficient, will enable us to look at data and transactions across the entire enterprise. So we can really kind of look at trends, how we're spending our money across the enterprise, and enable us to be more efficient and really better stewards of the taxpayers' dollars at the end of it. So I, I am optimistic as we move forward. Now, these 160 queries and questions about the system, is data from the learnings there being fed back into tweaks to the final system? So most of these questions are about this temporary system, the cutover financial system. So that system will essentially go away. However, what we've created, you know, this kind of crowdsourcing of answers, this same system will get fed into the hypercare once we go live on FSMS. So that's just basically, you know, we know people will have questions. They're training on this new system, but there will be questions once we go live on it. So this system that we created, it will work with the integrated plan to maintain, kind of provide the maintenance and help desk requirements once we go live. Ours will just be done at a more Coast Guard level. So folks can log in their requests, they can chat with other Coast Guard members, they can figure out how they're doing things. And we think that world of work, that way of doing business will really help people on that new system as well. So it's, it's, it's going to translate, it's going to migrate to that new financial system as well. And you did do a survey of changeover readiness among the procurement and contracting and financial and accounting staffs. Are they ready? What did the survey show? We've done several surveys, actually, and it shows that people are aware of it. Like I said before, I think it shows that people are a bit nervous. There's some anxiety there. But I feel very good as I talk to folks in the field that there is awareness that this system is coming. There's also awareness of the long-term benefits once we go live. And just to give you an example, I was visiting some of our cutters in Pensacola, Florida. And so there's an ensign that I talked to on one of the ships. So that's a brand new officer out of the Coast Guard Academy. She is charged with being the supply officer on that ship. And I asked her about FSMS and this cutover financial system, and I was pleasantly surprised that she was very well versed in the system and in what she was doing with her team of financial managers on board that ship to use this new system and to get the training in on the new system moving forward. So that tells me that we've kind of broken squelch. We've reached literally the deck plate level of cutters around the Coast Guard, and they know that this system is coming. So again, I think apprehension of this transition, some nervousness, but also excitement that we will be better off for it once we're able to go live. And for the supply officer, is there a special code for cigars? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, try to, we try to limit the uh, transactions to only mission essential uh, requirement. You have to use your own money for cigars. All right. Rear Admiral Mark Fedor is the Assistant Commandant for Resources and the Chief Financial Officer of the Coast Guard. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. We really appreciate you uh, following up with us. All right. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. 
Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. 
you're the ones that are facing the the members or customers as others call them every day and you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time so be the captain of your own ship step up uh make decisions uh do what you think is right and you never can go wrong I think that is so important and you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.